Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, you'll be hearing comments from a Meeting House interview with Christian influencer Grace Valentine, who provides some encouragement for young ladies to embrace what God has in store for them. Also from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, Matt Queen shares his perspective on the significance and effectiveness of the public invitation, asking people to make a profession to serve Christ. And on this edition of The Intersection, Christian hip-hop artist Brinson shares about how he exalts Christ in his life and ministry and previews a documentary that shows how God is working through this musical genre. Finally, Jimmy Graham has served as a Navy SEAL and has worked with the CIA. He's also a community safety fellow at the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. He is dedicated to helping churches, schools, and organizations stay safe by implementing security measures. You'll be hearing comments from a recent conversation. This is The Intersection, a production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Recently, for the Meeting House program, I had a conversation with Christian influencer Grace Valentine. She is devoted to being a voice, sharing God's truth to young women. In the course of our conversation, she discussed her devotional book entitled, To the Girl Looking for More, 90 Devotions to Help You Ditch the Lies, Love Yourself, and Live Big for God. Here now from that conversation is Grace Valentine. One of the favorite things I added in this devotion was like a guided prayer at the end. Because I think my heart aches for the idea that, like, I think this is a generation that has forgotten what wisdom and where wisdom comes from. I think they are taught wisdom either comes from a textbook or researching or it's something on your own. Like, back in the olden days, I'm not olden days, <laughs> that sounds so bad. But, like, uh, recently now, if you have a question, you can find a YouTube tutorial. Like, you, can, yeah. you don't have to ask one person. But a lot of the generations before me... If they wanted to know something, they had to ask someone older than them. Like, th- that was the only way you learned, is if you asked someone older than them. So this generation kind of thinks wisdom comes from their own doing and not from people who are ahead of them and who know Christ and the Holy Spirit. And so part of the goal for this book is to have, like, guided prayers to teach them how to even just, like, talk to God about their issues. Like, obviously, it's, like, bring in your own thing. But, like, I think almost the liturgy of telling them, like, hey, if you're struggling with this, this is a great prayer, and, like, add something of your own. And that has been something exciting about this, because I think this generation has forgotten to pray and how to pray, mm. you know? And that's something that I definitely wanted to add to that reasoning. And also, just like you said, the ADD, I mean, there's a stat that in the next five years is going to be a rehab for phones, and I truly believe it when it comes to this generation. And so I do a lot of my normal little, like, devotions on my Instagram um, that relate to, like, my books or whatever. And so I really wanted something, even though I love having it on my Instagram because it takes the idea of, like, someone, you know, a bad thing can be a good thing if it's a God thing. So social media can be a bad thing for that Mm -hmm. generation, but it can be a good thing if it becomes a God thing. But I did want a devotional that, like, was similar to a lot of the stuff I put on social media, new content, obviously, but where they don't need to open up social media to find it because that can be such a tempting and a – place that can make girls feel very low. So I wanted a book that felt like a guide so that when they wake up each morning, they're not scrolling on their phone to read something, you know, or even the Bible app, which is so great and so useful. But like, there's something so good about not having that distraction of a notification popping up. And so that was kind of my prayer for this devotional book. too. So how did you really, I mean, there's so many topics that you could write on that you could address. And there are, in the course of this book, you're looking at 
90 devotionals, so a lot of subject matter. How is it that you really decided what subjects you wanted to cover? Yeah, I mean, so it's about people are looking for more. So I'm like, what can actually give someone more in their life? Like, and to me, that's things like if they are seeking joy, like more joy, more contentment, more peace, more Jesus, more purpose. Like those are the main sections in that. And then when I think about contentment, that I think of like, you know, hitting their home of like, okay, how to be content in your singleness? Like how to be content when life doesn't go your way? How to be content when things are falling apart, you know? And then for joy, like how to find joy in the midst of grief, like how to find joy when you're very busy and for purpose, like how to find purpose over just following your plans. Like how do you chase purpose instead of just your to-do list, you know? And so I kind of took those sections that I'm like, okay, biblically, this is how Jesus thought more. And what are little topics that are very generational that these girls are going through, whether it's struggling with even this one, like about feeling awkward. Like it's a like great for like high school, college girls where you're kind of like, who am I? What's my style? Like, you know, and so, and that's under contentment too, you know? And so I think those, that's how I very much my heart for the book was about was like, okay, the broad topics are things like there's nothing new under the sun, you know, mm -hmm. there's all these topics that Jesus walked here and modeled for us about this is gives you more in your life. Like, this gives you the freedom. This gives you the purpose. But also just kind of getting that niche issues that girls in this generation are. Like, you know, attaching, being attached to their phone. Like, that's under contentment, you know. And so though, that's kind of how I determine. I love prayer and a lot of even just, like, on my speaking gigs. I remember while I was writing it, I would just ask girls. I'd be like, what, what, is, what is your biggest issue right now? What do you wish I wrote more on? And a lot of times they would say something very niche. Like, I wish I could write something on roommates and my roommate leaves me out, you know. <laughs> Um, and I'm like, okay, how can I make that broader, but also make her feel seen for that issue she's going through that feels very hard right now. Grace Valentine here on The Intersection. You can find her online at gracevalentine.org. Next up on this edition of The Intersection, it's Matt Queen. He serves as L.R. Scarborough Chair of Evangelism and Professor of Evangelism at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas, He's also interim provost and vice president for academic administration. In our conversation, he discussed the book co-written with O.S. Hawkins entitled The Gospel Invitation, Why Publicly Inviting People to Receive Christ Still Matters. Here now from that conversation is Matt Queen. Lost people don't know what to do even when they hear the good news of Jesus Christ. I'll give you a few examples. Mm. Luke chapter 4, John the Baptist is preaching and he says, repent. And the people come up to him and say, what do we do? I mean, they wouldn't ask that if the Spirit hadn't already been convicting them and had they not heard the gospel. What do we do? He says, uh, go the second mile, somebody. Give someone your cloak if they don't have one. Tax collectors come and say, what do we do? And he says, don't take more money than you should. Uh, the Roman soldiers come up and say, what do we do? They've heard the message, but they still don't know what to do. And he says, don't harass anybody among the way. Paul in Philippi the, the Philippian jailer says, what must I do to be saved? He's been convicted by the Spirit. He's heard Paul and Silas singing about the gospel. And we have to tell people what to do. So I think a simple question, we don't have to force anything on anyone. We can ask a simple question. Is this a decision you'd like to make today? And just see how they respond. Dr. Matt Queen is joining us today from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and the book is called The Gospel Invitation, Why Publicly Inviting People to Receive Christ Still Matters. So you, you mentioned something. I wanted to return to it with respect to discipleship. 
as you mentioned, that some people issue the public invitation because they feel like that, well, it's something that takes a longer time and you're really trying to absorb somebody or direct somebody into a position of discipleship. So share with me what you see as the relationship between a public invitation and that person actually becoming a disciple. Yes. So one of the things, whether it's coming up forward in an altar call, whether, and we talk about different ways, whether it's going to the back during this response time, whether it's doing a QR code and meeting with someone later on that day, part of the public invitation is not just issuing it, but it's following up on it. And so uh, in the book, we talk about some ways that whenever uh, someone makes this response, they confess Jesus as Lord by repenting of their sins and believing in him. What are the next steps? So, you know, the very first step that anyone would talk about is baptism. We say just a moment ago, uh, you heard the pastor preach, the evangelist preach about Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised from the dead. You need to profess your faith in that way. Just a moment, you heard the scriptures. That was God telling you what he expects from you. But guess what? There's more scriptures that you need to read because he's got more he wants to tell you. Just a moment, you just pray to ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. He still wants to have further conversations, and here's how you do that. So I think that follow-up piece along with the gospel invitation, it's not just a movement forward, but it's also an advancing in their faith and giving them the tools that they need to be obedient, baptized disciples. Mm. So when someone is, whether it be a gospel conversation or in a public invitation, when you talk about accepting the Lord and becoming saved and inviting someone to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and being born again. What do you see or, or what are you comfortable with as far as making that presentation, as far as the specifics? Back to that question, well, what do I do? If I want to have that relationship with Christ, how can someone actually enter into that type of relationship? The Bible teaches there's three things that you do. Uh, to respond to God's goodness to you. You don't do these things to get saved because works don't save, Jesus mm. saves. But you have to receive his salvation. And so the, the three things you must do according to the scriptures, number one, first and foremost, you must repent. And that means to change your mind. You got to realize that you can't please God, even your good works. You already know your bad things don't please God, but even your good works don't please God. Because if they could, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. So you, t you instruct them to repent. When they repent and change their mind, there then can be a change of heart. You have to believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. Believe that he is who he said he was, God in the flesh, who took the penalty for your sin. And then the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, there's different ways to do that. Some people want to use a sinner's prayer that they repeat after them. As long as they're instructed to know that those words don't save them, it's okay to do something like that. Um, or helping lead and guide them and say, okay, just a moment ago, uh, you said that you needed something from God. What is it that is your greatest need on your heart? And having them confess their sin. So you do it in a more guiding way. Those are the three things that I think that anybody does to receive God's forgiveness. Matt Queen here on this edition of The Intersection. You can learn more about the book by going to thegospelinvitation.com. You can find him on social media at Dr. Matt Queen. This is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. 
Through the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House radio program. You'll also find links to the Intersection to that Media Center, as well as the Apple podcast feed, and you can watch video of Meeting House guests through the Faith Radio YouTube channel. There is a link provided through the homepage. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info or you can visit the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from The Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and a variety of podcast platforms. This is the Intersection Podcast with Christian hip-hop artist Brinson. In a recent Meeting House conversation, he shared about the work of God in his life and in the founding of God Chasers Entertainment, which is a consortium of Christian hip-hop artists. He also discussed God Chasers, the documentary on which he served as co-director. Here now from that conversation is Brinson. Hip-hop, the origin of it was a a sound of rebellion, of going against the system, going against, you know, oppression and things like that in, in in the urban culture, in the inner cities and things like that. So now it's so mainstream, but the original um, message of hip hop has been erased and it's been infused with uh, just everything that, Satan would use to steal, kill, and destroy in families, in education, in but the the music sounds so good. It's like the the best tasting poison that can ever be released. And so with with the message of Christ, it's actually rebels against the world. So we've mm. been able to inject a rebellion against mainstream against. Uh, sin against the things that God hates of uh, the abomination uh, mindset that the world, you know, portrays in, in hip hops, the over sexualized, the over, you know, the, uh, the music of unforgiveness, the music of, of death, the music of, you know, uh, an eye for an eye. So we've been able to infuse, Hey, I know what you've been hearing, but we had, we've been blessed to, make music with the same quality, no drop off in quality, no drop off in quality of production and recording. And we, you know, God Chases Entertainment, we have uh, five artists, but we work with a plethora of other Christian hip hop artists. And we go into finding out what is the sound of now that's in the top 40. And we, and we listen and we study and we, and we, we don't mimic. We have our own original styles that, is appetizing to the the listeners and we inject christ we inject forgiveness we inject grace we inject peace we inject transformation and we know that the world uses money and fame and success to make it look like this is the way to go but when when you strip it down you still see the corruptness of the music and we expose that in our music and we say hey there's another way god 
money doesn't matter to the Lord. You can have money, but you can serve him. And it's good to have money because having somebody with a Christ mindset, with a renewed mind and somebody who is who is uh, submitted to the Holy Spirit, if they have that same money and, and, and not just fame, but influence, we can influence to change, to do a counterculture and show people that, hey, we can do good works in the name of Christ and glorify the Father so other men can see and be like, hey, I don't have to use drugs, deal drugs, promote drugs to get an effect and, and positivity into the lives of people and men, families back together at the same time, because Christ can do mm. it all. The Holy Spirit can mend and transform. And, and that's how we can inject and how, what we've been in doing and in injecting this music into the culture to change lives. And, and the documentary has been doing the same thing. One thing that I've heard is that when people watch, they say, I actually feel the presence of God watching wow. this film, which is the greatest compliment you can ever hear. Like that God just, you know, grace. Cause you know, God doesn't have a, a barrier with technology. He can work through music. He can work through film. We just got to be available and give God that yes. And say, God work through me, work through, through the work of our hands. And he, you know, he's been doing it. So that's why I'm excited for people to see it because i don't know what god is going to do with the person who's uh watching a documentary brinson here on this edition of the intersection the website for the documentary is godchasersdoc.com the god chasers website is godchasers.com and please keep in mind the correct spelling for god chasers it's g-o-d-c-h-a-s-e-r-z this is the Intersection Podcast with the CEO of Abel Shepherd and Community Safety Fellow at the Centennial Institute at Colorado Christian University. His name is Jimmy Graham. He's a veteran Navy SEAL and former CIA Global Response Staff Protective Officer. In our recent Meeting House conversation, he discussed matters of church, school, and organizational security, offering a biblical perspective to protection, as well as changing hearts beginning with the hearts of Christian men. Here now from that conversation is Jimmy Graham. As scriptures tell us, we're not battling against flesh. We're battling against um, principalities. I would say, yes, that's correct, but we're also battling against flesh, meaning it's both. It's how does that manifest? It's going to be a human being that shoots up a school. It's going to be this and that. You know, the, uh, people that act this out, sometimes knowingly, sometimes unknowingly, meaning like a Manchurian candidate. They're just a puppet for Satan. They're doing their thing. And it really is going to require human beings, good folks, to stand up and say, no, I, I won't allow this. So when we say, when we talk about starting with people, I mean that Jesus Christ is under attack right now. And the most vulnerable, the most innocent version of Jesus Christ on this earth is our children and our babies. And they're absolutely under attack. And there has to be an adult that steps in the room and says, no, I won't allow that. Mm. And tell me just a bit, and you touched on it, and people obviously can hear your heart. Tell me about how your faith in Christ really has informed what you do and this, as we say, this this occupation and really this this ministry that you're involved in. How how have you made that connection of your faith really informing what you do? You know, I, I wish I could take credit for it. I just I thought I was trying to bridge a gap after the SEAL teams, after the CIA, after Benghazi, after all of these things that I've been, you know, involved with. 
that was a platform that was building for something much more important. And what I thought I was doing was bridging a gap between law enforcement and protection. So protection on that federal level, there's such a high standard. There's such a high efficiency of getting further faster to equip people to protect. And that's not law enforcement. Like we start with law enforcement and absolutely respectfully to law enforcement, they just weren't trained to do that. They're, they're modifying now and they're learning how to do that. But to protect someone, you learn how to defend yourself and then you stand in front of them and you say to get to them, you've got to go through me. So that's what I thought I was building. And then a community was born. I thought it was security and law enforcement. And moms and dads walked in the front door and they said, hey, can you help me protect my children? And that's so gratifying. It's so rewarding on both sides that it just becomes this culture that now we raise money for pro-life. We raise money for people that can't afford a security plan. We raise money for churches and schools. Uh, and it's all of it. It's not part of it. It's not a gun thing. It's a people thing. But those people should have a capability. So that as we're born into that, we, we saw quickly that when somebody, like just most recently, this uh, confused young lady walks into a, uh, a church, into a school, and starts taking innocent life. On that day, I don't care about her parents, and I don't care about her gender, and I don't care about her sexual orientation. I don't care about any of that on that day. Um, that day, she's a threat, and threats have to be neutralized to preserve human life. I'm not trying to take a life. I'm trying to save lives. But then ultimately, I do care. I really do care, not about just my kids, about all kids. So what, how did she get here? How did we get here, right? So when you back that up and talk about her dad, her family, what can we do? It's not one or the other. It's both simultaneously, or you're chasing your tail and you'll never catch it. So deal with this because we must right now simultaneously go repurpose men and start there. Let's talk about, say, these churches and schools and keeping them safe. What do you see as some of the essential components there? Yeah, the first one we call the USA standard. It just means uniform, safe, and accurate. Uniform, you got to be on the same page. Everyone, not just the gun people. Everyone has to be on the same page as if this happens, what are we going to do? Because I don't know is not a good answer. So you got to get on the same page. Second, it must be safe. Some of the stuff out there is simply not safe. It's going to do more harm than good. And then accurate meaning correct, but also meaning with firearms, you got to be able to to, to tell rounds where to go responsibly, you know, not passing through certain things and hurting children and all that. All this has been built. I, I named it that, but it's all been built within a federal government. If you're going to protect your money or your diplomats overseas, there's a standard for protection. There's just not one when it comes to our children. So we just took a proven model and moved it over top of this. But then the one that we created that is much needed in any organization, including your home or your school or your church or your business, we call it the defend modules because run, hide, fight was a good start. Run, then hide, then fight uh, and fight last resort, but they don't teach you how to do it. We came up with an acrostic that was more you know, comprehensive called defend. And it means defense, evacuate, fortify, emergency medical aid, notify others in your immediate area, and then dial 911. It means those are the six tools to be successful that everybody has to know. Not everybody with a firearm, but everybody must know that because in an emergency, everybody has a responsibility. Everybody, even the children, need to be taught to be quiet, you know, listen to the teacher, get down, turn off the lights, all that stuff. But we can't ask them to replicate it if we've never given them the tools to be successful. Jimmy Graham here on The Intersection. The organization's website is ableshepherd.com. Well, we are about at the end of this week's edition of the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through the programming section at faithradio.org or by going to the Meeting House homepage at meetinghouseonline.info. Through that homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center, the place you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests 
featured here on the Intersection Podcast and the Meeting House Radio Program. You can find links to the Intersection, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple Podcast feed, and you can watch video of Meeting House guests through the Faith Radio YouTube channel. There is a link from the homepage. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info. Or you can click on the Meeting House link when you visit the programming menu at faithradio.org. Thank you for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.